Who's excited to be at church this morning? Is anybody excited? Woo! Can we just make some noise for Jeannie and Jared, the pastors that are... Come on, give it up for them. Give it. This is maybe your first time and you don't know who they are. That was Jared. He had the swoop. That's him. If you just look for the swoop and you find Jared. That was the first thing I, saw, I noticed about him. I said, man, look at that swoop. That's incredible. I said, I'll never be able to do that. I said, but you, you look amazing. When you... Now, um, I, I, I want you guys to participate with me on a couple of things before we get started. I, I grew up in what you would call the black church. So there's a couple of things that I'd love for you to do with me this morning. Now, don't get nervous. <laughs> Just to make me feel a bit more comfortable. I'm not going to ask you to speak in tongues or run around the room. I promise. But I do want you to participate in some things. Now, you're wondering, what's the black church for some of you? Well, it's simply, it's just a church with a lot of black people. <laughs> That's it. And so, hence the title, Black Church. And so, um, here's what I want you to do. It's really simple. 100% participation on this, especially up top. I want every person in here to get five high fives from five different people right now, without leaving your seat, without leaving your seat, go right now, go right now, see if you can do it, see if you can do it, see if you can do it, it's good, it's good, yeah, it's good, it's good, can I get one, can someone hook me up, boom, boom, one more, there it is, now that was good, there's one more thing I want you to do, I know we're just getting you warmed up, we're getting you warmed up, we're can we be a family today, can we be a family today? Here's the last thing I want you to do. Find one person on your left or on your right, if you can only pick one, and I want you to get in their face. Do it right now. Now, hopefully you brush your teeth, right? Or pop a gum, you know, something. I want you to look them in their eyes. Come on, if you're looking at me, you're not participating. Um, look them in their eyes, and I want you to say this to them, like, I mean, from the bottom of your soul. I want you to mean this, like, say this. You look good today. Yeah. Even if you don't believe it, I want you to do it. That's called kindness, ladies and gentlemen. That's called kindness. Um, can we give it up for Phil one more time that was up here earlier? Phil. You know, I've been to a lot of churches. I got to talk about Phil because I've never encountered a man like Phil. It was the first time I've ever heard Barack Obama leveraged to make Jesus exciting. I mean, it's the only... Phil, that was incredible. I've never, I've never heard that. It's like, we ain't talking about Barack Obama. We're talking about Jesus. I love it. There's no other name. Now, Phil Jackson, that's your name. It's also the coach that was... Wow. So your childhood was epic. All right, Phil. Thanks. Good to see you, brother. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to talk this morning about a principle that transformed my life. It's a principle that if you receive it and fully embrace it and understand it at the highest level, I believe it'll transform your relationship with God. It's the name of the message. Put it on the screen for me. Unrelenting love. Unrelenting love. This is the type of love. You've heard unconditional, right? But this is another word I want to use to describe the love of God for you. It's unrelenting. You're going, what's unrelenting? Well, you, you, you've heard a word that's similar to it called relentless. It's kind of, the words are connected. It means 
to never give up. To be relentless is to push. It's to push through the pain and push through the muck and the mire. To, 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 to be passionate about loving at the highest level. That's how God loves you. Um, in order to do that, I want to create a foundation this morning on a theological principle. Um, j- just for a couple seconds. Now, we're going to have fun in a second, but, but I want to establish this. Um, this is something that we believe in within the Christian faith worldwide. There are many faiths and many religions, but this specific principle is um, important and it is central to the faith. And I want to set this as a foundation to explain the idea of unrelenting love. I want to talk about this. Um, put it on the screen for me. The Holy Trinity as a foundation. Anybody ever heard of that before? Hands in the air, hands in the air, hands down. Many of you have, some of you hadn't. Uh, it just simply means, what is the Holy Trinity? The Holy Trinity is the concept that God is three in one. That God is three in one. We know we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And usually in the Old Testament, you, you, you kind of spent some time with God the Father. You, you hear about him a lot. And then in the New Testament, the Son shows up. And then the Son leaves, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to leave with you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, I love it. He said, whenever you see me, you see the Father. Whenever you see me, you see the Father. Many theologians believe that all three were present from Genesis, the beginning, all the way to Revelation. That when God was creating the world, that all three of them were there. We're not going to spend too much time on that. Uh, but, but I wanted to create that as a foundation because today I want to spend some time just talking about the Father. Just talking about the Father. When I was 19, I had an issue. I had a problem. And the problem was that I had a dream. And my dream was to have a Yukon Denali. (laughs) Or a Maybach. Or a Lamborghini. An expensive car. And within the dream, I wanted the car that I got to have TVs in the headrest. Anybody remember that? Remember the show Pimp My Ride? That was Exhibit, right? He would get like a Volvo and there'd be a kitchen in the, in the trunk. It's like, what? how did you put that back there, right? That's what I wanted. I wanted a car where you could put TVs in the headrest. And I also wanted to be able to put Mission Impossible on while I was driving. And I wanted a big enough center console to go to Cheesecake Factory and get a meal. Put it in the middle. Mission Impossible, hit the highway, it would be a movie on wheels. That was my dream. Here's the problem. I didn't have any money. 19, I I was broke. Um, I grew up in what you would call the middle class. Anybody grew up middle class? Anybody? A couple folks. Um, Here's the thing about the middle class. Um, You don't have everything that you want, but you have everything that you need. Right. So you learn how to maximize the little that you had. That's what my mom uh, taught me. You know, if if food was low, Vienna sausages and Ritz crackers. Anybody? (laughs) Right. I don't know if you had the mom that I had, but my mom would sometimes go in the refrigerator and see the last meals for the last three weeks. And she pull them all out, put them in a pot. It'd be quiche. I'm like, Mom, that's not quiche. That's the last three meals. That we had, you got fish and pop tarts and chicken and, and put it in a crust and baked it. And you added some egg. That's not quiche, that's lazy, mom. Right, I don't know, but that, that was my mom. So, so uh, they taught me at an early age how to, how to maximize what I had. 
And so I had a dream, I had a problem, but I also had a principle. Maximize what you have. And so at 19, I made a decision. What was the decision? I'm getting this dream done one way or another. I'm broke, that's fine. That's just an obstacle. I'm going to come above it. And so I looked around me. I said, what do I have? I, again, no money. No Yukon. But I do have an Oldsmobile. <laughs> Anybody heard of the Oldsmobiles before? A couple folks? Has anyone not heard of an Oldsmobile? Show of hands? One person. Got you. <laughs> um, if you don't know anything about the Oldsmobiles, uh, you know that they're old. Right? That just is what it is. What it is. I had a sedan. I had an Oldsmobile. It was actually brown. I said, okay, I got my Yukon. Check. I'm maximizing what I had. I said, now I got to get TVs and put them in the headrest. But then I realized, you know what? I'm broke. Can't do that. And I don't even know if you can wire an Oldsmobile to be that way. So I don't have any TVs. But you know what I do have? A MacBook. So I got my MacBook and I put it in the right seat. And I opened it. I said, Mission Impossible. Mm. Don't have that, but I do have Hotel Rwanda. Play. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm almost there. I got my Yukon, my, you know, my Oldsmobile. I got my Hotel Rwanda. But I'm looking, I, I need Cheesecake Factory. I need Cheesecake Factory. And so I looked around. There was no Cheesecake Factory. But you know what there was? A Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Anybody, any Chick-fil-A fans in the building? That's what I'm saying. I don't know about you, but I, whenever I eat a Chick-fil-A, I feel like I'm giving to God. I don't, right? I feel like I, I'm supporting the church. It's called the Christian chicken, ladies and gentlemen, the Christian chicken. And so I went to the Chick-fil-A, and I got in the drive-thru, and I said, I got to get the eight-piece nugget with the large fry. You upsize it, because if you get the 12-piece nuggets, it's too many nuggets. But if you get the eight-piece, you can upsize the fry, and it'll fill in for what you're lacking in nuggets. You got to get the honey mustard and the Chick-fil-A sauce. He knows about it. He knows about it. He's not. He's like, yes, brother. Yes, that was my meal yesterday. I got you. Right? And so I got it. I said, okay, I got my, my sweet tea because I got, you know, from the South. Then I got my honey mustard and my Chick-fil-A sauce. I put it in the center and I got on the highway. Got in the far right lane. It's an eight-lane highway, 285 to be exact. Rush hour traffic. I'm going 40 miles an hour because I figure it's a little dangerous. And as I'm riding... I'm glancing, I'm dipping. I'm riding, I'm glancing, I'm dipping. Can you say that with me? Riding, glancing, dipping. <laughs> That's what I was doing, and it hits me all at one time. I did it. I have accomplished my dream, ladies and gentlemen. I've accomplished my dream. So I'm living in the dream, and I'm riding, dipping, and glancing. Thank you, thank you. You paying attention. And so as I'm riding, you know, I'm having a good time. There's African sounds in the background. And I look in the rearview mirror. A car has spent out of control. And I'm going, okay, if I speed up and they hit me, I'll go further faster. But if I slow down, they'll hit me quicker. So I'm going to keep going 40 miles an hour and hope that nothing happens. Then another car spins out of control. And so I go, all right, you're probably going to get hit. Brace for impact. So I sit there. Boom, hits me. And I spin from the right lane 
all the way across all four lanes. I hit the center median, bounce off of that, and spin all the way back and hit the rail. And as I'm spinning, I'm praying. I'm going, God, please don't let me die. And protect the car because I'm broke. (laughs) Well, I managed to get out of the car without a scratch. It was a miracle. As I get out of the car, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm getting my bearings. The car is, is total. Three cars total. As I'm standing, a man runs up to me. He says, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. And he runs and jumps over the gate in the woods. I said, well, who was that man? <laughs> I realized, well, I think he was drunk. Maybe he's the culprit. Then another man saw him and ran after him. Come back here. I said, oh, they're getting into it. And so... I get my phone, I text my sister, I've been in an accident on 285. And if you were on the highway, again, it's rush hour in Atlanta. I don't know if you've been to Atlanta. Maybe some of you have, but traffic is crazy. They've stopped all of the cars, and it's like an army brigade of cars as far as three miles back. Stopped. I'm looking down um, the cars. About three miles, three or four miles. I mean, cars everywhere. And as I'm there for about 15 minutes, I see a man running through the cars. I'm like, who is this man? I said, maybe it's the paramedics. But then he got closer. I said, he only had an outfit on. I think the paramedics. So he gets closer. I'm like, who is this man? Because he's like, he's coming at me. He's jogging. He, as he gets closer, I look, and I notice it's my dad. He runs up to me. He says, son, I... Are you okay? I said, yeah. He said, well, what's up with all the honey mustard? I said, it's a long story. <laughs> he said, well, where were you going? And I said, well, I was going to a worship thing. And he said, well, come on, get in the car. And he took me to the worship because I used to be a worship leader. I thought I was going to be the Christian usher. It's a long story. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't make it up here, but I, I feel like I made it here. <laughs> and so I'm riding to this worship event. And as I'm writing, I'm thinking. And what starts happening is every moment that my dad has been there for me starts coming into my memory. All at one time. Because for me, I'm imagining, I'm like, how did this man find me? On a four, I mean, four lane, eight lane highway and 285 is all around Atlanta. He's found me and he, and he stopped and ran four miles through the cars to get to me. I want to show you my dad. Can we put that picture up on the screen? It's him. Show me the other picture. This is what we look like, Rod. That's me. He don't like pictures. We're riding. I'm thinking. I'm going, man, my dad is always there for me. I thought about the good moment. The basketball games, the bad moments, the accidents, the mundane middle. I said, you know, my dad loves me. He's on my team. I I don't know what your experience was with a father. Maybe for some of you, it wasn't wasn't good. Maybe for some of you, you're going, yeah, I know what you're talking about. My dad was there as well. But in this moment... My dad's love 
is illuminated for me. I'm like, this is what a father's supposed to be like. And what many people don't know, I was adopted. And so he chose to sacrifice for me. And sacrifice my whole life, he did. As I'm writing, and as I think about that moment often, the Lord often says some things to me. He says, you know, Sam, as great as that moment is with your dad, and as amazing as your dad is, and as much as he loves you, it pales in comparison to how much I love you. The Father in heaven loves you more than anyone could ever. I mean, it is a planet to a solar system. It is a raindrop to an ocean. God's love is relentless. It's unconditional, and it reaches farther than you'll ever be able to reach. I want you to imagine a moment in your life when someone has loved you. I mean, come on, get that moment in your mind where you felt the most loved by anyone. I want you to multiply it by a million. That's the love of God. That's how much he loves you. And that's how much he's for you. You know, when we think about the story of my dad, what's so powerful about it, and what we all will agree on, and what, what proves to us that he loves me is not the word, but what is it? It's the action. We think about him running through these calls. We think about him finding me. We think about him showing up. You know, he had to do something to prove the love. I love how uh, C.S. Lewis, the theologian, said it. He said it like this. Put it on the screen for me. He says, Don't, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. He said, don't, don't, don't waste time saying it. He said, I want you to spend time doing it. If I were to say it in a simple way, I'd say it this way. Put it on the screen for me. Next slide. Love is always qualified through action. Love is always qualified through action. I had a moment with my dad later on in life um, in which I had messed up or let him down or something. And I said, but dad, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I love you. I love you. He said, okay. I said, no, dad, I love you. I love you. He said, okay. I said, no, dad, I love you. He said, well, act like it. He said, if you love me, then you would, you would act like it. You know, sometimes I think that, you know, we get used to hearing that God loves us, right? Your whole life. It's on the TV. It's on the news. It's everywhere. I mean, God loves you. You come to churches. You've been hearing it your whole life. And for, for many of us, if we were honest, it's hard for us to really believe that. Maybe not for all of you, but for many of us, like, God loves me? You, no, no, no. You, you know, you, you're talking about me. I mean, the, the guy, the, the girl that has done some things that are unspeakable. No, no, no. You're talking about the one that's broken hearts, the one that has watched porn, the one that has cheated, the one that has lied, the one that let people down, the one that manipulated, the one that sinned continuously. And continu How can God love me? And God is saying, I do. I love you. You talking about, no, 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 me, the, broke, the, the broken, the insecure. He said, no, no, no. I want to find you in the midst of your accident and run through the cars to rescue you. He says, I, I love you. But if we're honest, for many of us, it's hard to believe. And here's why I believe it's hard. It's hard for us to believe that God loves us because I think, you know, if I were to use a hip-hop term, term, I think we've slept on his action. You know, you sleep. That's the term. 
I think we, we, we've let what he did for us just kind of go over our head. It's like, well, God, he didn't do nothing for me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I think you're, you're, you've heard it too much when it talks about in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We hear it, but I think that goes over your head. You, you know, um, the Bible says that before Jesus went to the cross, he knew he was going. And he'd get some of the disciples and he takes them away. You can read this on your own time. And they go over to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says that he steps away. He says, hey, y'all stay here. I'm going to go over here and pray. Because the hour was getting ready to be at hand. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says that Jesus gets on you know, his knees. He, he starts praying. And you know what his prayer is. God, if you can take this cup away, take it. It says that uh, Jesus was so distressed that he was sweating blood. And he says, God, if you can take this cup away, please take it. And then the scriptures say he catches himself and says, but not my will, your will be done. He gets up, he goes back to see the disciples, and then the scriptures say he goes back to the guard. He sits down and he says, God, please, please, if you could let this cup pass, please just take it. Then he says he catches himself again. Not my will, your will be done. And he go, then it says he goes back a third time time and says please i want you to see this i don't know if you've read this passage you may have heard about the garden of gethsemane but god god goes back jesus goes back three times three times and he's pleading with the father it's a moment in the scriptures where we see the trinity interfacing in real time he's pleading with the father you could take this cup away. And finally, the passage says that it ends with the hour is at hand. Look, here comes my betrayal. It says he sucks it up. What's amazing about that passage and that story is that he came to himself three times. And here's the question. Why? He pulled himself out of distress for you. What? He pulled himself out of distress for you. He's sweating blood, but three times he says, no, 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 it's a, not my will, your will, because there, there's some folks that need to be saved. It's as if he's remembering the conversation that him and the Father had because the scriptures say uh, that God stepped down into humanity. You remember Jesus is God. When you see him, you see the Father. And, and, and it's, 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 it is as if he remembers the conversation of God the Father going, we got to go rescue our kids. We, we got to go save humanity. Why? Because I love them. Woo! Because I love them more than they'll ever know. And Jesus catches himself. But you know, it didn't stop there. After that, they lead him away. He's accused. He's sentenced. All these things. And he's beaten. This is before the crucifixion. Then he's beaten. Well, why am I telling you this? Because I want you to see the action. 
God doesn't love me. No, no, no. God loves you, and he proved it through his action. I want you to see the action. And here's what I want you to do. I know this may be a little much for some of you. Like, what is happening? Where are we going? You know, but I want, I need you to receive this. I need you to take this in because I need you to know how much God loves you. I want to show you something. And it's a little much. But it's just a glimpse of what he went through for you. And here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that you watch as long as you can. And as you're watching, I don't want you to just see Jesus. I want you to see God because that's who's taking this for you. I need you to see it so that you can understand the depth of his love. We had a difficult time trying to figure out what to show. And it was difficult because I might have tried to watch it. And I say try because I struggled. Ten times. And you know what's funny? This was the best I could find. Because everything else I couldn't even watch. This is just the beginning. Because later on, I mean, that, that, that was just, they, they, they beat him up, but then they grabbed some other things and that, that would, when they hit him, it grabbed the side and they pull it out and his blood would come out from both sides. This is, this is before the cross. And then it says Jesus would stand, he would get up again and they would, and they would knock him down again. This went on for a while. And then the scriptures say they, they, they picked him up and they, and they made him carry his own cross. Do you see this? Do you feel this? And, he's, and they make him walk with the cross. Why well, he's already beaten me. He could hardly walk. Blood is everywhere. Whips are everywhere. And when they finally get him up to the place in which they would crucify him, they took the nails. Woo! And they put it through his hand. I couldn't show that part. I said, woo, I can't. I can't even watch it. Then they took other nails, put it through his hands. They tied his feet. They put it through his feet. And there's a scene. I said, I just got to cut. I, there's a scene where they take the cross and just dump, while he's on it, dump it over to make sure he's in. And his weight catches on the nails. And then they stand him back up. Come on, don't miss this. I know this is hard to hear, but you got to hear this. They stand him up. And they say he's up there for six hours. Six hours. They say he's up there so long, he starts to die because of the weight. His organs start shutting down one at a time. Because oxygen started leaving his brain. I want to show you what it says in the scriptures. Can you put that passage up on the screen for me? 
It says that at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He comes back. He just had this conversation with him in the garden. And he comes back on the cross. Why? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down to take him down, he said. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you saw this, but this is a moment when Jesus is on the cross and they start mocking him. If you God, get yourself down. Here's the deal. He could, but he didn't. The curtain of the temple with the loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Here it is. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, listen to this. Listen to what the centurion says. Surely this man, surely this man was the son of God. Surely this man was the son of God. Love is proved through action. You want to know how much God loves you? Look at what he did for you. It says that he was God and man at the same time. He was doing miracles. He was walking on water. He was healing the sick. He was healing the blind. He could have gotten himself down. But he stayed up there and took it for you, and you got to receive it. And, and we don't want to watch it because it's hard to see. But you got to watch it if you're going to understand how much God loved you and how he proved it for you. Here, here's something I want to tell you that you can wrestle with all night. It, we struggle to watch it, but then we also struggle to receive the love. How do you struggle to watch it and also struggle? You can't even watch it, but yet you don't know. You doubt he loves you. You can't even watch it. God is saying today, let this be the last day you doubt his love for you. Don't ever doubt his love for you. He said, I did, I did too much to prove it. But you got to hear it. You got to receive it. You got to surrender to it. And you got to know. You know, I'll say this. This is not in the scriptures at all. This is just me and my prayer time. I often ask God, God, why did you use that to prove your love? Like, you could have did a lot of things. We can get into theological debates about what he could have did. And nah, 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 nah. He could have did something else. He could have started flying. I mean, he could have. So and what I felt the Spirit of the Lord say to me. This is not in the scriptures, it's just me and you. What I felt the Lord say to me is, I did it because you can understand that. We can all imagine what it feels like to be beaten. We can all imagine what it feels like to die on a cross. We can, we can imagine that. We might not be able to fly, we may not be able to do that, but we can imagine that. And I believe the Lord did it so that we could know the sacrifice that he did. At the highest level. There's one sentence I want to leave you with today. It's this one. Put it on the screen for me. 
God sacrificed his only son to prove how much he loved you. If I were to make it even more simple than that, I would say it this way. Don't forget it. God gave everything to prove you were worth anything. God gave everything to prove you were worth anything. So as we close, the question becomes, well, what do I do about that now? Now that I've understood the love of God for me, what does that mean? What, the, what should that compel me to do? Well, it should, it should compel you to do two things. And here's the first thing it should compel you to do. It should compel you to, to run towards him. That's the first thing. It should compel you to run towards him. When? When you don't want to run towards him. It should compel you to run towards him when you feel alone. It should compel you to run towards him when you can't make sense of life. Here it is. It should compel you to run towards him as a loving father when you do things that you think the father will not receive. When you fall down, when you make mistakes in the midst of your darkness and in your own sin because we're imperfect people so for the rest of our lives we're going to struggle. When you struggle with what you don't think is acceptable, run towards him. Because he wants to find you in your accident. Because he's running through the cars to rescue you and say, are you okay? What's up with the honey mustard? (laughs) Come on. I love you. In the midst of your depression and your insecurity, your low self-esteem, your own father wounds, run towards him. Because God wants to be the father you've never had. He wants to be the best you'll ever experience. Here's the last thing. Stop running away from him. You got to run towards him, but also you got to stop running away. God chases us. And for many of you in the room, he's been chasing you for a while. But you keep running away. Why? Why would you run away from the one that loves you most? Why would you run away? Run to him. For many of us, we've let our intellect get in the way of our destiny. I spend a lot of time with atheists and the the, the conversation I have to have with them all the time is this. I'm going, just because you don't understand God's decisions doesn't mean he's not real. And many of us will will struggle with that. How could God let he did it? No, 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 no. We're not having that conversation. You're doubting that he's real because you don't understand his decisions? That don't mean he's not real. That means you just don't understand his decisions. But when you, when, you, when you start with, okay, God is real. He's the creator of the universe. And the creator of the universe, second, loves me. Woo! Then everything transforms for you. And then after that, you can start understanding why he does what he does. Because you go, he's sovereign. But you can't understand what he's doing if you don't receive his love first. You got to receive the love and then out of that place, accept that he has great things for you. So the life that you're living now and how he's moving with you in life is, is good. Because everything works out for the good of those that love God. He's not promised us a life of perfection, but that he be with us in the imperfection. To give us the ability to make it through. That's love. That's love. Let's pray.
God, we thank you for your unrelenting love today. We thank you for this reminder that you are with us and that you are for us and that you sent your son to prove it to us. You gave everything to prove we were worth anything. With your eyes closed and as you're sitting down, if you're someone that's in here and you're going, I I need to receive the love of God in a new way. Maybe you're already saved, but you never accepted the love of God truly. It's hard for you to understand a loving father because your father wasn't loving. It's hard for you to understand that in your imperfection and in your sin that God could still want you. You've never fully received his love. And then the second group is maybe you want to come to him a little bit more. If that's you with all eyes closed, would you just lift your hands? I, I want to pray for you that you would receive his love in a new way today. Come on, don't, nobody's, it's just us. It's just us. Come on, as you move, he moves. As you move, he moves. God, with the hands lifted, I pray that you would give them a new revelation of your love. Heal them from the inside out. Let them be with you. Have your way in our lives, Jesus. Heal us. Give us a revelation of what you mean and how much we mean to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you leave, we're going to do one thing. I know we got to go and we got things we got to do. You're probably hungry. <laughs> I get it. Chick-fil-A. They're not open. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, Jesus, before he left, he said, he got, got his disciples around and he said, hey, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. This is when he was predicting that he would die on the cross. And so he took the bread, he took the wine, and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. We do this as a faith to remember how good he is. And we do it to remember how much he loves us. And so I'm going to invite the communion folks forward. They're going to pass it around. And as they're passing it, we're going to sing a song over you. And then we're going to take communion. Here's what I'm asking. Stay in the moment. Close your eyes. Receive it. And let his love transform you. Let's, let's sing just a little bit.